We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, what's up, Chiefs Kingdom? Welcome to another episode of Outside the Trenches. I'm BJ Kissel, and that is Nick Leckie. And again, we appreciate you for tuning in. Thanks to our good friends at Jackstack BBQ for making this podcast possible. And I know that you've all been waiting for a long time. Um, at least you can pretend while you're listening that you were waiting for a long time. That It's been a month um, since Nick and I have recorded. We have not recorded since the Super Bowl game uh, for a number of different reasons that we can get into here during this show. But Nick, it has been a while. How are you doing, my friend? How are things? I'm good. I'm good. And I, I got to tell you, I feel for you if you're a Chiefs fan. I'm I'm like part Chiefs fan, like not full because I didn't grow up here. And I, I don't I've just rooted for him like these past couple years. And when, when my buddy Ryan Lilger played for him yeah. under the Todd Haley uh, Cornell years. And that sucked. That straight up sucked. They got watching their that. ass kicked. Like it happens, and I it sucks that it was the Super Bowl that they like played a game like that because all teams play games like that. It just sucked that it was that game, and the worst part of it was everybody making wholesale changes. You got to do this, and you got to do this, and you got to do this, and you can't lose eighty percent of your offensive line, and you can't do this, and you can't do it. like. There's reasons why this stuff happens, but let's remember that we just made back to back Super Bowls. Uh, could have very easily been three straight. Uh, this team's in a phenomenal position. The organization's in a phenomenal position. That's not to overlook that it's okay, you know, to have a bad game. Obviously, it was extremely disappointing, uh, especially with everything going into it. And the Tom Brady, it had to be freaking Tom Brady. Um, but at the end of the day, like, Chiefs are, this is the golden age of Chiefs football. And, you know, the wins are going to feel a little bit more sweet uh, when you have games like that. It's probably better we're recording this a month later because this is not how I was feeling at the time. Um, but I'll always say like, you don't make huge changes because we ran against, we went up against the wrong defense, uh, for our issues, um, with the offensive line and the health of them. They had two stud defensive ends and two linebackers that could cover the entire field. Uh, they're a great football team and we were banged up and you had guys playing positions that they hadn't played all year. It wasn't necessarily fair to them to expect them to go out and dominate in a Super Bowl type matchup. Um, but at the end of the day, like, you're going to be right back in it, make some changes this offseason, reload, and go right back out there and try it again. And I think 
I think the frustrating thing is to me is is when the lack of creativity for protecting players and, and you have two weeks to prepare and you know that Eric Fisher's out. You know he's done. So you have your guys, you know, and you got ten minutes of them in the fourth quarter of the Buffalo game to see what a Fisher less offense would be. And and you thought you had momentum, right? You, you thought you could just run the ball and do your thing because Buffalo had a great defensive line. And there were no backups in place to roll to, to move move pockets to roll protection to run even bootlegs i mean for christ's sake i mean just yeah. get get patrick moving and and you know make it easier for the offense lineman to block and that could have done and it was didn't happen they stuck with the drop back passing game and i'm like what are they doing i'm like just uh and part uh, of the reason i was encouraged too at the end of the first half is they tried some of those delayed like uh tight end screens across the middle which is the same principle as this, like the other screens that they run. It's just let those guys get upfield, get the defensive line upfield, and get those a couple of those linemen out in space to try to get on those linebackers. And so I saw like a couple of those plays try. And I'm not going to pretend to sit here and criticize the play calling. Like I know why they're making certain decisions, um, but at the same time, I I normally see an adjustment that where all of a sudden we start moving the ball, we look more comfortable. This is the first time I didn't ever see anything that just like okay, we figured it out. Now we're going to get rolling. Maybe it's just, you know, you kind of get, you know, stuck in uh, taking for granted the genius of Andy Reid, not to completely spin it that way, but we don't see games like that. Maybe that's a credit to Todd Bowles and what they did on the defensive side and continuing to, to, to confuse. But for people like yourself, who see the game at that level um, who didn't see adjustments, like you said, uh, to kind of protect the guys with the offensive line. I was surprised as well. I thought I'd see a lot more screens, a lot, a lot more of the quick passes. You saw some of that stuff, but Devin White gets out in the flat in like a half a second. It's like, well, that ain't going to work either because they've literally got the two best middle linebackers in football on the same football team. Those guys are Levante David and Devin White are studs. Yeah, and and then look at look at their D line, and they just feasted. I mean, usually yeah. usually when you have a guy out, okay. you know you know where your your pressure is probably going to come from, and so you know you can err. And I mean, after the first half, I mean it was pretty much a wrap because in that second half, I mean, if I was Mahomes, I'd be like, you don't know, like it's not coming from my right, it's coming from my left this time, and so he didn't have that confidence to you know blindly roll out to his left because he's like. I'm probably going to get blasted if yeah. I go that way. And we've seen and, that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we have. And, and it's just, ugh. Sorry. No, I was just saying, we've seen that with him, is when he gets hit a little bit, like he will start to drift, and he will start to kind of bail in the pocket a little bit earlier. And that's one of his knocks. He talks about it all the time, that he'll feel himself start to drift, and he's got to remind himself to stay in the pocket and keep his feet. But there was no pocket for a lot of those passes. It was disappearing pretty quickly, which is like what you said. I, you normally see a lot of the ghost action. You know, there, there have been times where the Chiefs have had injuries up front. It hasn't happened a lot with Eric Fisher. But when he or Mitch Schwartz have been out, it's always been a storyline going into those games. And we always talk about, you know, he's not just Andy Reid's not just going to let Mahomes be a sitting duck back there. He's going to move him around or just confuse those defensive ends with getting their eyes moving, jet sweeps, ghost action, whatever it is to get him thinking horizontal. So maybe it'll slow him down a little bit. It just that never seemed to happen. And like I said, I, you saw him run a couple of, you know, like I don't know if they were outside zone or quick pitches, just try to quick runs to the outside, those quick screens to the outside. And just the speed of the linebackers, those guys came up and made plays. And, you know, they did a better job of continuing to do what they did. And if we did start to make adjustments, they adjusted really well because um, I hadn't seen a Chiefs offense look like that under Patrick Mahomes ever. Like that was the first time that the offense has been held like that for an entire game with him at quarterback. They did. And and honestly, I think the defense did a hell of a job. It's just that – and I, I felt the other side where being on offense – 
and you score, you do your thing, and then the defense lets in a score. You you feed you truly feed off each other like offense and defense like because you know you you get your your direction from your coach say hey let's correct this problem let's run this you know what are you guys feeling um, what what sort of plays are you liking versus these guys and you know you give him suggestions right and then he goes away and he talks to the coach and you watch you watch you cheer on the defense and for for the defense to to play their ass off to to get that stop on fourth and goal are you kidding me yeah. I was like that's man this defense is on point right now they're feeling it but. <laughs> That confidence erodes every time you got to go back on the field and the offense hasn't done anything. They haven't scored a touchdown, uh, getting field goals, and you know they're, they're not sustaining drives. And you just get tired. You get beat down. And then you know what, man? All your energy, all your momentum, it's shot just because you're like, what's the point? Like they're just gonna they're just gonna get another. We're just gonna go back out. Like you don't actually give up, but it's like you don't have that. You know, it's it's a fifty fifty razor's edge in every game. Yeah, and if you don't have that slight, yeah, it is. And just yeah. what what happened? And you feel it as a player. You can't not feel that, and you can't not give you kind of. You get a little excited. You get a little optimistic, and there's just kind of that. Oh, and it's like you don't want that like letdown to actually affect yourself out on the field. But it's hard not to get caught up into this stuff, especially Mm -hmm. when you're so used to the offense going out there and performing so well that it's also a shock for the defense to see the off the chiefs offense go out there and not put up points and score the way they do. And then they feel like, you know, at some point they've got to start doing things that are different. So, you know, the biggest frustration that I have just as far as like narrative, like media narratives or something even media's fan narratives and all that is like all the, the wholesale changes, especially as as it, I had a long debate at work, um, with some guys about this and Clyde Edwards, Elaire and just kind of the revisionist history of going back saying, well, they see, they should have taken an offensive lineman at 32 <laughs> overall. And that's said no one ever on Twitter. Everyone says on Twitter, like once it becomes what you should have done, then yeah, April 30th, should yeah. have done this, but yeah, exactly. So I, my issue is that if you look back at the offensive line, the chiefs had going into this season, you didn't know LDT was going to opt out. You didn't know, obviously, that Mitch Schwartz and Eric Fisher were going to get hurt. And you had Kalecki Osamelli, and he hadn't gotten hurt. So if you were going to draft an offensive lineman, you had a center and like to, to compete with Austin Ryder. And that's it. You're not – other positions you're drafting, you're drafting a developmental player for the future. It was exactly what they got, Lucas Niang, and a guy they really liked which actually the way that he opted out and the way that the season went, it sucks for him and it sucks for Brett Veach and the Chiefs. And we'll get into this because he had, Brett Veach made some really interesting comments today uh, on Monday um, regarding the health of both Eric Fisher and Mitch Schwartz saying they'll be ready to go by training camp. I think he's very optimistic. Mitch seems to be ready to go. Eric Fisher is the one that we'll see how that plays out. I know Rick Burkholder is amazing at what he does. All the people are amazing at what they do, but to come back seven months after an Achilles – like that would be really, really impressive. Um, Any, anything being, is possible. Anything is possible. But yeah, I for anyone to look back and say, well, they should have drafted a tackle. They did draft a tackle. They should have drafted another offensive lineman. And you're drafting a guard who's already going to be a backup. At that point, Andrew Wiley was a backup. So you're taking another backup um, at that point. I mean, you've got at that point you had Kalecki Osamelli and LDT as your starting guards, and you had Fisher Schwartz and Austin Ryder. So. Um, I don't like the revisionist history right after the game of Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was the wrong pick. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is about the only thing that got our offense moving at different points in the Super Bowl. Um, but that being said, we've said on this show since we started it that I thought Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was going to be a huge asset in the passing game. 
this season. And we didn't really see that a whole lot. I don't know how surprised you were, Nick. Um, just coming out of LSU last season, it was a huge part of his game. And as good as Andy Reid is with, with screens and all that, I thought we'd see more of it. I don't think the the Chiefs running back. I mean, if you look at like the past past two years with Mahomes, you you play your role in certain games, and then you know you kind of move on to to sort of a spread spread it out to you know distribute the balls to your tight ends and your wide receivers. So the the running back has been a key part, and, and I think where you got to look at is you know back to your basics is is pass pro pickup, you know being styled yeah. there. Uh, and just knowing knowing when to when to flare run a wheel wheel route um, on on a on a safety blitz or a linebacker blitz or a hot route, and so that's what's yeah. expected. You're expected to make a few conversions, but you're not expected to go out there and steal a show. That's Mahomes, that's Kelsey, that's Hill. And that was a skill set they feel like they needed on this offense. And um, I wasn't surprised when they made the pick um, compared to a lot of other people. Because uh, you've seen him invest in that position over and over and over again in different ways. And you, you bring up Spencer Ware and you bring C.J. Spiller back 100 times. Uh, you like you just want to get that consistent guy in there and that skill set. They found a guy they liked, had a good contract for that position, and that position solidified for a while. And everybody can always, you know, have every, everything can always be picked apart. They can. Um, I will say that. But especially coming off of the Super Bowl and the way that it came out. But you couldn't have ever foresaw what happened with the Chiefs offensive line with all of those injuries. Uh, it didn't matter how prepared you were. You lose four guys off an offensive line. And not to mention backups. Martinez Rankin was a backup, and then he got hurt. Uh, so right. a lot of ways, yeah. they're, they're down a lot of dudes. And then Austin, or then uh, Andrew Wiley is asked to play right tackle. That's uh, crazy. He had a, a lot Super of experience Bowl. at yeah. this year. In a Super Bowl against a phenomenal player. Um, can't be really surprised at what happened. Or then afterwards – just say, well, everything's got to change. Like, no, just it's a football game. Just think of it as that one football one game. game. It just sucked that it had to be that game and it had to be the Super Bowl. But it'll be interesting to see what they do this offseason. Before, Nick, uh, before we get into, like, the kind of Chiefs offseason and some of the moves and some of the stuff that Brett talked about today, uh, I do want to touch on this because one of the reasons that we didn't record recently um, was the passing of Therese Paler, um, guy that we both know, um, a good friend of mine, and – I just want to take this time really quickly just to say uh, I had a chance to go up um, to his funeral service uh, in Detroit and go up there and meet uh, his family very briefly um, and and hear stories about the man that, that I knew for just a brief time. Uh, but Reverend Dr. Wendell, Wendell Anthony, um, let me make sure I get this right, of the Fellowship Chapel in Detroit, Michigan, um, was absolutely amazing. And one of the things that he said – uh, a couple of things that he said, uh, it's one of those, it, the, it, the whole service is actually on YouTube. So I would actually invite anyone that knew Therese or liked Therese's work uh, to go watch that, especially different parts of it, because there are some really powerful um, things that were said and things about Therese that I didn't even know as somebody that would consider him a good friend. So, but the one, a couple of things that uh, what the Reverend had said, uh, for one, he said, you all didn't come here because Therese died. You all came here because he lived because he all he had a like moment with each of you but the other thing nick that he said was that you know a lot of people in life are successful um but they're not all people are significant and i thought it was a really powerful thing in that you can be very successful at what you do but it doesn't mean you have an impact um on people the way that uh people like therese paler did um and what he kind of stood for um and kind of how he went about his business. Uh, you forget how accomplished people are and your friends are, 
when they're your friends. And then when they're gone, you hear all the things that they did. You're just like, holy cow. Like, it was an honor to be friends with him. So um, somebody that we'll continue to talk about on this show. Um, but it was an amazing experience to go up there and um, get to honor Therese in that way. For anyone who's listening, it was an amazing service. And I know a lot of Chiefs fans love Therese, called him the People's Champ. Uh, I would invite you to go onto YouTube and search out um, his memorial service and watch that. Because, like I said, um, Dr. Wendell Anthony, the reverend there, was absolutely amazing with the things that he said. And, and his best friend spoke and his family. Um, it was an amazing experience. You know, it, it's it's amazing that we don't truly remember people or appreciate people until they're gone. Uh, I look at I look at like like the with, with Perez uh, and with Kobe, right? Where it's just stuff where it's like, man, you had cats who were great right in front of you, and you just uh, I think there's a, a good Kanye lyric. It says, "What you never get your flowers till you die," right? And it's true, man. You know, it's just crazy with, with our with the way it is where it's like, man, we don't take time out of our day to appreciate what's in front of us, right? We can't see the forest yeah. for the trees. And it's sad. But yeah, he was I, I love I worked with him once on, on this show last year and I was I was super impressed with his knowledge. I mean, that guy you could tell that guy studied football, you know, that guy used his power to or influence or, you know, media credentials to actually talk to people and pick their brains and uh, he's one of the few guys I can talk talk football with, and I was like, "Damn, this guy is—he knows his stuff." Yeah, and he loved the game. And yeah, you could tell. People, there's a lot of people I think that cover football that don't necessarily love the sport. <laughs> that that they just they love being a beat writer and they love this or that. They don't love. Therese loved football. Um, the most of our conversations, going back and looking through our texts, were just like inside jokes about football, like back and forth to one other guys that he liked in the draft, guys that I hated in the draft. Uh, the Chiefs ended up taking, and I had to be nice to that guy. Uh, no, I'm, just, <laughs> I'm, just oh. I'm just kidding. Uh, that happened once, and that player's not there anymore, so it doesn't matter. Um, but anyway, I just I wanted to say that uh, about Therese for anyone who was listening. Uh, I know I tweeted some stuff out about it. Got kind of quiet on social media for me. Um, still not. Still don't understand it. He's 37 years old. He was a good. He was the best of us. Um, but that being said, let's continue on this show. Uh, talking Chiefs offseason. Um, they've got some decisions to make. And like I mentioned earlier on the show, uh, I don't know, Nick, if you ever had an Achilles injury, but Brett Feach stated that he believes that based on the timetable that Eric Fisher would be back in mid-August, which I think would put him into like six, seven months back from an Achilles injury. I think Derek Johnson came back pretty quickly um aaron borgman friend of the show who we might have on to discuss this sometime it's actually the one that rehab dj um on that but uh that still seems like a pretty quick um coming back from an injury like that i mean to have it that late in the season and to be back and not miss any time i that's hard for me to believe yeah i, I think you know you can't doubt people i guess you know eric fish is the type of guy who will dedicate his life to getting that achilles back and I think, you know, the, the Chiefs, the, the trainers have been through this before, so they know what to look out for, um, how, to, how to do it. And a guy like Fisher, too, you could even miss maybe one or two games and come back. Like, you know, you have the ability not to rush it. So I, I think, you know, I think that he's going to get the best treatment, you know, get a second opinion, uh, get stuff taken care of. So I, I think it'll be good. Plus, I mean, I, I know it sucked that Lucas Niang opted out, but, you know, he'll have time for his hip to rest as well, too. Yeah, it would just be interesting to see how they play it because, you know, when you look at this roster composition, um, this is a hard thing to talk about without kind of drawing it out. But you look at the roster composition of the Chiefs, if 
you want to like optimistically believe that Eric Fisher will be back and that Mitch Schwartz will be back, but you also need to protect yourself in case they aren't ready to go. Well, then how do you do that with the number of offensive linemen you can keep and the resources you have? Because you've got Lucas Niang. This is, obviously this is great for him, but he's going to get a ton of reps in the off season. Mm -hmm. He's going to get a ton of reps with the ones probably all through training camp. He's going to get all that experience, but you know, how do you go find another guy? You don't use a top resource or do you on a tackle that if Fisher and Schwartz come back and Yang is healthy, then all of a sudden you've got four good tackles. Like that's a ton of resources, which is fine, but it's kind of that tough position that you put Brad Veach and them in of how much of a band aid do we put on this based on just the insurance of not knowing if he's going to come back healthy. Do you go out and get a guy like a Mike Remmers who they got last off season that has played left tackle in the NFL and is a veteran who could play that. How much money do you spend on a player like that? Um, who could either play left tackle or maybe he's a swing guard or a swing position guy. Um, or do you go out and get a premier guy? Like it, I, it's the reason I'm not a GM and those questions that they have to answer, but it's, it's a legitimate question. You can't just, take a guy in the first round and just draft a tackle in the first that I see everywhere because then if Fisher and uh, Mitch Schwartz come back healthy and then Yang is okay. Yeah. You have another one. So then next year you can let both Fisher and Schwartz go. And then you've got two tackles. That doesn't mean that guy's any, like both those guys are ready to go. Like that doesn't help you at all right now, which is the whole reason that people didn't like Clyde Edwards-Zelaire, besides the running back value and all that, at least he could help you right now. You're talking about drafting a tackle who's going to sit for an entire year off a team that you want to improve that went to the Super Bowl last year. Right, and I think the focus for fans is is win now, but I think the way, and we've talked about this before, it's like the way this roster is built, is like it's built where where you can have a guy sit and, I mean, look at, look at they sat Mahomes for a year and look at the outcome. I think yeah. it's important not to rush guys into service before they're ready and don't force something if they're not ready. Because once you kill that confidence, you know, you look at some of these tackles who were drafted early and they gave up on them. Hell, look at Eric Fisher, considered a bust by some yeah. people. Uh, and then now look at him. Dude is nothing but working. solid. Nothing but solid. I always thought he played fantastic. Andy Heck has been great for him. Like their, mm -hmm. their arc together uh, and how they've been has been fantastic. But yeah, it, it it sucks for Brett Veach and them that Yang opted out, not just because COVID, and I don't mean disrespectful in that way, just in the context of they don't know what they have right now in Yang. And if he had played this year, at least they'd have somewhat of an idea as they're dealing with these injuries and how they're going to overcome them to know whether or not he's a guy that we can count on to play right or left. Or even going back to last year, maybe one of our last episodes on the old show was talking about him after the draft, talking about him playing guard and repping guard early in like that was one of the first things said about him. It was like, hey, this guy could ref at guard. Um, and so then, obviously, him and LDT both opted out, and they had to shuffle different guys around with other injuries. But uh, that's going to be interesting. The other one is Sammy Watkins. Um, I don't think Brett Veach has ever gone as far to say, I don't think we're going to keep a guy in free agency as far as he did today. Um, I was listening to the, to the presser I was watching on the Chiefs Facebook page that, you know, they, he's reiterated multiple times that in this environment, it's going to be really hard to keep Sam. He's like, last year we figured it out. We knew with his agent, we wanted to make it work, but this year it's going to be really tough. Like every time he says that, it's like, they don't say this stuff ever. So that's, that's about yeah. as hard as a player. It's about as, that's a GM talk for like, there's no way that we can make this work. And it was probably decided and Sammy and his agent, everybody knows for months and it's going to be this big surprise. Like they've known that this is going to happen. Um, but but yeah, that, that one's not a huge shocker uh, no. for anyone. 
Not at all. And not, and I think too, I think what it does too, by, by re-signing Sammy last year, uh, and you know, he took a pay cut. I don't know many wide receivers though, who are in their prime that who take pay cuts to stay on the team. Cause they're like, all right, you don't, you don't believe me. I'm going to go somewhere else and get paid. And that's, that's just the nature of the game. That's what you got to do. And I, for, for him to say that for, for Veach to say that is pretty much like it's like fed speak yeah. right when you read the notes of the fed right when you say we strongly are going to keep inflation down or something like that and it's like okay they're going to do everything they can and it's like yeah, yeah he's and, not i don't expect him back and also when he was asked about the wide receiver he was asked about sam and he goes you know we like tyreek we're expecting big things from mccall and we really and byron pringles in the mix and those are the only yeah. three guys he mentioned he didn't mention demarcus robinson at all and he might not because demarcus is also a free agent but it's why when i'm looking at the draft like 31 like a wide receiver makes complete sense to me right now whereas other people will look at it and be like no they've got all these guys and it's like Brett Feach is never not gonna let Patrick Mahomes be surrounded with good weapons and what they have is Tyreek who's on a second contract a big target they've got Travis Kelsey they need a young playmaker on a rookie deal other than you know Clyde Edwards Elaire they need to mix in guys at that position and that doesn't mean they can go out not go out and sign a guy in free agency. I know Brett Beach also said, you know, don't expect us to be really active in free agency. He says that every year. Like he's not going to set the expectation to know, right. just wait until you see us start throwing cash around. <laughs> Kingdom. Like he's never going to set fans up to get excited like that. And then it doesn't work out. Um, and they're negotiating. I'm sure they're negotiating with you. New agents are listening. It's like, yeah. Hey, we're not going to be really active. So the offer's not getting better. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, it, it's all that big game. So what I took away from it is that Sammy's not coming back. Um, I don't know about DeMarcus, but it was telling to me that he didn't say it. I wish all, all those guys can come back. I think it's a great group when you get it together. I wish Sammy was more healthy more often, but I think getting another big body, um, you know, playmaking receiver um, or a joker tight end. If Kyle Pitts wants to fall, you know, 20 spots from where he belongs, that would be fantastic. But, you know, we've been talking about getting a second, you know, another tight end drafted here for about the last three years and it hadn't happened. So Yeah, that would be cool. And and then you just see look at a guy like, you know, Dion Yelder too, guy who, you know, you expect expects himself to happen and and maybe he can he can show show what he's worth uh this year too. You know, so yeah. just one of those things where just I, I think the um the focus will be getting on a, a big body to uh replace Sammy. Because you know Sammy to me, one of my favorite wide receivers after he catches because he he just turns into running back mode, and you need a guy. You want to you want to draft a, a sort of a replacement. You draft a fearless wide receiver, and then you know yeah. you'll have your, your piece of the puzzle complete. Yeah, he said on his call that O line, D line, which he'll always say, um, are areas of focus for the off season. Obviously, with the rehab of the two tackles being huge, and do expect them to bring in some competition at some point in the draft. Doesn't mean a first round pick um, at interior offensive line, although they haven't seem to have to spend a ton of resources on that uh, over the years going from you know, Rodney Hudson to Mitch Morris. And then even Austin Ryder over the last few years has stepped in there and is a, is an easy guy for some people to watch and, and to pick on, but you want a Super Bowl with that dude uh, and some other guys around him. So um, it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out, Nick, but uh, the other issue or area that the chiefs are going to need to address just based on what Brett Veach said is linebacker. Uh, and I know that's a popular one. People have had opinion about Anthony Hitchens, Damian Wilson, I believe is a free agent. Uh, and then Ben Neiman has been a guy that everyone talked about all year long. Um, but it's always interesting to me 
when you hear Brett Veach talk about the draft, and I was talking about this with a friend, that, you know, we as fans look at it like, here's a player I really like in the draft. Here, you know, the wide receiver class is really strong. And they look at it in like a, a 2D, if that makes sense. I don't know if it's going to make sense. At all. It does. It enough. does make I sense. Thought, I should have thought this through, Nick. But like, they look at it almost like a 2D, whereas NFL GMs and like these, to put the roster composition together, they also look at like free agency and weigh that and the contracts and the value that that creates with the salary cap and who they can get for what price with the strengths of the draft and what those contracts are and what they expect, you know, those players to be in certain positions. So it's not just weighing, we want to draft a guy or we want to get this guy in free agency. It's what position groups are really, do we need to attack with young guys or with a a guy that we know can play right away? Uh, And normally what you would see, and you try to put that puzzle together, but normally what you would end up seeing is that the chiefs would always kind of attack. I say attack means filling bodies with, um, positions that they know they, they're going to bring in somebody um, that can play right away, like a Mike Remmers. Like they're going to go get a guy that has some experience um, playing multiple positions along the offensive line. I expect them to do that uh, as well, but not just being able to um, do a couple of different things. Like they've got to figure out how build like we talked about earlier with the tackles like i'm trying to get the thought through here but you've got to figure out a way to bring in bodies that you know could play right away while not boxing positions out that you can't just draft the tackle there like chief sign a tackle in free agency they're not drafting a tackle because you can't end up with five guys on the team you're not cutting lucas niang you're not cutting the guy you just drafted and you're not cutting schwartz or fisher so it's just a numbers game on where you could draft and so as you go through free agency if the Chiefs sign a guy a veteran who can play tackle predominantly. Now they play multiple positions. It could be different, but um, that's where it starts to get fascinating for me is how do they attack, not just free agency as it relates to free agency, but the more bigger picture of how they feel about the draft based on what do they do in free agency? Um, yeah. Exactly. And then also you look at too, you look at rooms too, right. And, and like, are, are there veterans? Like, I mean, if, if, if Hitch is on the table, you know, like who's going to, who's going to be your next up, right. Who's going to be your linebacker. Right. Like, I mean, I mean, yeah. who does he Hopefully like, Willie right. Who, who does, yeah. right. And then exactly who does Hitch like, right. If they're going to keep him around too. And it's like, um, will, well, I think Willie Gay played great. I mean, what a, what a fantastic draft choice to me. Uh, and the games that he played, good. he was impactful. He's a guy that, like, when you look to next season, like, are the Chiefs going to make that jump? There are going to be guys who contributed, who contributed, who let, who leave, um, and you got to fill in those spots with somebody, and you've got to find production, and you've got to find those guys to take the next step uh, up. And Willie Gay is going to be the top of most people's list of a guy that needs to have, like, needs to step up even bigger. And a guy like Legarius Sneed, who you could say stepped up and played really, really well, who's going to go down as one of the best draft picks that Brett Veach made because he got value of a starting cornerback and only had to give up the value of a fifth round, fourth, fifth rounder to get him. Like that's a high value position that you don't have to go spend a bunch of money in free agency. And not just to get a marquee guy. I mean, you go out and get a Steven Nelson, like just an average corner and you're going to have to pay like eight to $10 million a year to get that guy. And he's not even like a bona fide top player. And it's not a dig. I guess it came across <laughs> like a dig at, at, at him, but like, a non top tier guy is still freaking expensive to your salary cap. And you, the more guys you can have on those rookie deals, um, the better, obviously, but yeah. to have it at corner 
and to not have to give up like a first or second round pick. Even a first round cornerback's great value when you look at the mm-hmm. positional value of corners. Um, that was a huge. So Legarius needs a huge pick, but those are two guys that got to step up. And I'm excited. We talk about guys like Darius Harris, uh, Tim Ward, some of those guys who have been on the roster for a couple of years, um, practice squad, kind of bouncing around to step up and just be contributors. They don't have to step up and be a starter uh, and, and make a huge play. They, or a guy like Tashawn Wharton stepping up, Colin Saunders. There's a lot mm-hmm. of young guys that could take a good jump this year to really make impacts next year that you don't have to always feel like you got to draft the next guy or that you got to go find some guy in free agency. There's guys on this roster they're just going to improve. They're going to be hungry this offseason. They're going to step up and they're going to um, make a case for themselves. There's always a couple every year. It just depends who they are. It is. And I think, too, a lot of, a lot of guys, too, is you got to look at, okay, how do I make an impact? And it's special teams, right? Like if I'm a linebacker, yeah. I, I, I better try to run down on kickoffs or I better I better try and, you know, run down on punts or, or be a, a punt man type thing, too. So And, and I think that's where Willie Gay earners, earners keep, you know, a lot of guys, that's what they do. You, you, Byron Pringle. Prime example, you know, he earned his keep in special teams and showed he was smart. He was dependable and you could trust him. And then the Chiefs start, okay, listen, you, you've performed for the special teams. We're going to fold you into the offense. We're going to fold you into the defense, yeah. see what you can do. Yeah, I mean, Daniel Sorensen did yeah. that as well. That's the arc of his career. He's been a standout special teams player. But, um, Nick, we're going to do a few more episodes this offseason as it goes into free agency. It won't necessarily be every week for everyone who's listening. Um, but we will continue to record uh, podcast as news kind of comes up but i do want to spend a couple of minutes <laughs> this is going to sound really interesting uh to kind of like tease what we have going on so we met um with our good friends at jack stack and the show we're going to continue everything that we've been doing and building upon this and building it even bigger we have some really exciting things going into next season we still have to, to dot some i's and cross some t's and get all the details figured out but there's some really really cool things uh in store for you everybody who's listening um i think we ended up at like 1200 subscribers or something our first year kind of starting from something from scratch um although we had the old show um we couldn't necessarily use those platforms to promote this one uh to get people to know that uh the show still exists and so i just want to first say thank you to everybody who supported us and your support has meant something uh, as we saw, you know, the numbers continue to grow throughout the season as more people um, cared what Nick had to say and, and liked me making fun of myself. So uh, <laughs> we appreciate that. But we've got some really big things in store for the future. I don't want to get give away too much right now, uh, but there's some big things and the network's going to get bigger. And um, I think Chiefs fans are really, really going to like uh, what we have going on. That's I, I don't want to say much more than that, but um Stay tuned. Oh, that's a great teaser. I like that. Told you we were trying to build something different and build something cool. Uh, Nick, you and I talked about that from the very beginning when we recorded that teaser. Like, we're going to try something cool here. Um, Try something different. And uh, we're just about uh, to announce some of the the cool things we've been doing. So uh, look forward to that. Um, Nick, it's been a month. Do you have any parting thoughts? I feel like there's, there's a struggle bus episode like rehashing some of the old super bowl wounds yeah we definitely ripped off some bandages and uh you know checked out some scarring and i needed this just to get that out of my system as well i'm glad we waited a month and to let everything blow over um i want to be happy about tom brady throwing the lombardi trophy to gronk that was so awesome i mean damn it but i hate it but i love it cool and uh, you know what i'll part with this 
I don't give a shit what Bruce Arians says about run it back and screw this and like all these guys talking shit. They won the Super Bowl. They kicked our ass. Like they could talk whatever they want. Like they earned that right. And like I know Chiefs fan, like you're gonna be fiercely protective and I'm like making fun of my own. Like there are people I can make fun of us. Um, but like chill out. Like they could say whatever the hell they want. They won the Super Bowl. <laughs> You like, get the right. You get the right, man. You get the right to do I just don't like the complaining it. afterwards, like, don't make fun of us and don't do – like, just – Take the ass. L. Take the L. Sometimes and you wear let's, it on let's the chin, move on. you get up, and you, you keep moving. So I hope, I hope, I hope it motivates. I hope it motivates. I hope, I hope there's billboards up in the uh, – or banners, not banners, but motivation signs up for the, for the Chiefs, you know, in the weight room and stuff. That's all you need. And start working. It's on the next year, man. You put that on a billboard in the weight room. Oh yeah, are you kidding me? Absolutely. You're you being, just you're being be- serious. I thought you were being facetious. Oh, I did. Did you say me? Did I personally? Yeah. Fuck no. Does that stuff work? Does that stuff work for you? Hell yeah. You yeah. just put it like, look, just put it. You could, you could even write it in sharpie. What was the score? Like thirty-eight to nine or something like that. Okay. Yeah. You just put you just put thirty eight to nine up on the, in the weight room somewhere, and it just you're like okay, I'm gonna you you see it and you're like it fires you up, man. Okay. I promise okay. you, you get yeah, bored. That, you get bored that, working out. I thought you were talking about something. What do you think? Yeah, what do you think I, I, I said? Like about pictures. I thought like the tweets and like all that stuff all over the place, and like they blow it up big, like on the side of the weight room wall. That that'd be I cool. Like, I just, guess that's next level too, but that's something simple. Yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, I'd... okay, that's a good way. To end <laughs> that's about right. I don't, I don't know. I, yeah, if I see a, like a sign on the wall that says like you know the team on the top of the mountain didn't fall there, like I'm gonna work harder. I like that. That feels old that testimony. Was on, that was on the wall of the weight room in our high school. Oh, really, I remember that. Yeah, what's your hey? hey, I was supposed to be lifting and I was staring at it. BJ, BJ, what was your favorite? What what was your favorite slogan? What was your favorite high school weight room slogan? Because I know mine already. Remember that one? (laughs) That's true. (laughs) My mountain didn't fall there. The the stronger I get, the faster I am. Michael Johnson, I think, said that. That was on our weight room wall. What was your favorite? Forty-eight minutes to play, a lifetime to remember. All-time classic. Ooh. That seems All very time. Friday Night Lights, like Mox. That's Varsity Blues player. It's Friday Night Lights. No, it's not. Johnny Moxon. I've been that's, playing that's under Friday. It's a high school football. It's Friday Night Lights. Like it's all right. That's different things in Texas. Did we find by something? The way. We just. Oh, we I, did. We. I don't like Friday Night Lights. I like the book. I never. I've never seen the movie or the the TV show. I think it's terrible. Could. You've never seen it. How do you know it's terrible? Because I can assume. <laughs> Coach Taylor's awesome. Coach Taylor. Hey, I don't know who that is. I don't know who that is. Who's that? Coach Taylor, like the main character in Friday Night Lights, the TV show. I thought the main character was Booby Miles from the book. He's in it with the, with the Terminator oh. X towel. Kind like just watch it. It's good. I'm not going. Just know I'm not going to. It's just very much like not. It's like a drama. The one thing I like about – well, I shouldn't say this because Matt Saracen couldn't throw. But I don't like when they get like people to play these sports who are not 
like who don't actually play that sport and you can just tell they're really bad at it. Hey, Which uh, da- Daisy Confuse. That pitcher, Mitch, right? Was he pretty good? You're a pitcher. No, he played football too. Is he a good quarterback? <laughs> no, not 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 him. No, the kid, the, the eighth grader. Mitch oh, Mitch Kramer. Kramer. Mitch Kramer. Oh. He keeps grabbing his oh. Oh. nine times in that yeah, scene. No, nine times we count. Yeah. Nine it bothers times. me. Nine, nine times. times. Like Ferris Bueller's day off. Yep. No one else listening to this got that reference. Why does <laughs> the rich- last 10 minutes of our show just become useless? I, I like just- it because I always shift it there. That's what I do. Man, if – I'd go back and re-record this. I don't think this was our best effort. We're just going to keep recording, talk about this. We can be honest I about it. I think we should. I think I think we should keep it raw. I, I don't – this does not need to be rehashed again. I got my emotions out. I can breathe now, BJ. Honestly, I'm ready for the next season, man. Uh, I'm I'm really ready. I'm I'm curious to see what the Chiefs are going to do, how they're going to handle it. I trust in Brett. I trust in Andy. Uh, um, you know they're going to get this ship right. And yeah. I, I'm I, and I, you know I'm excited to talk about this team after we get the draft picks. Uh, figure mm-hmm. out, or I'm sorry, figure out who, who if there's going to be any big big money free signings. Free I'm, agents I'm, first. Yeah, free. I know that's what I said. Free signings, <laughs> and then and then look at the draft. But I mean, it'll be cool to see how. And to me. And it's what you said. It's what I said. How are they speaking? How are, how are they speaking to the players already on the roster? Right? Yeah. If you sign a big money guy at linebacker, someone's got to go. Um, you know, if you, you sign, you know, someone at DN, someone's got to go. And that's what you're doing, right? It's, 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 a, sh- it's a shitty time for, for players on, on teams when uh, they get signed. I remember I was in Zihuatanejo, Mexico, and I got a text from a guy who I hadn't heard from in a while, another old lineman. And name? he was like, he was like, who the hell is this guy? I go, what? And I go, oh, no. And I looked up ESPN and like Cardinal signed Al Johnson. And I'm like, fudge. <laughs> so, but yeah, you hate free agency unless you're getting yeah. paid. You know, if you get paid, it's, it's awesome. What? I didn't mean to laugh at your experience. You can laugh. I meant for it to be yeah. laughable. It was laughable, man. <laughs> it, I, I, I played a sport for a living for like six years. It's everything is laughable. Everything about it is laughable. Me, 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 you know, funny story. The first time I got cut, my fourth year in Arizona, um, it was a Tuesday morning. Uh, my wife and I were going to go eat Olive Garden and go get massages. We're going to go get massages, right? Nice little Tuesday. And it was a fantastic Tuesday. It was like week th- week three, week four, and to start before. And um, I, Rod Graves, our GM, call, called me. He was like, hey, Nick, can you come in? I go, hey, Rod, I'm about to pop in Olive Garden. Can I wait? And he goes, um... Yeah, uh, no, I'm like, I'm like, okay, I'll come in. I'm right down the street. So I came in, and I thought I'm still cocky. I was like, I'm gonna get traded, and I saw Coach Wisenhunt and Rod Grace, and I'm like, oh shit, I'm about to get. I got, I'm getting cut. So needless to say, we did not go to Olive Garden or get massages that day. Um, I wasn't sad because it happens. I was shocked, yeah. and I was like, what's the next step? You know, it's like, yeah. So yeah, free agency sucks. How long did that conversation last with them? Five, ten minutes, maybe. And then I cleaned up my locker and like pieced out. And like Do you I saw a few what guys. They said, or is it like a big blur? Yeah, no, I remember. Coach Wisenhunt was like, you know, you're not coming back from injury as well. Um, and yeah, we're gonna have to release you. I'm like, okay, cool. Hmm. But that's the way it is. I always man. feel like, yeah, I always talk to people like how coaches handle that side of it, knowing that it's part of the business, but being mm-hmm. able to handle it the right way. Um, 
hear stories about people that don't. Yeah. Um, and then people that do. So always curious, yeah. like how coaches handle that might not obviously because the players lead like coach Wisenhunt, you were leaving, but you still have an opinion about coach Wisenhunt. And over time, if coaches do the wrong thing, like eventually you think you would get out there. Um, yeah, no, it, it, it does. Guys, it guys it who don't does. handle it the right way. And, and you're absolutely right. Like if you accumulate enough, um, um, kind of bad experiences for players and nowadays with our, our media being so transparent, like stories get out there. Yeah. Like I just listened to a story about Danny Cannell talking about Randy Moss's first year at Florida state and how they had to sit him. And it's like, he was beating dudes in practice. And I'm like, that would suck. And I, I guess he, <laughs> he lobbied Bowden, Bobby Bowden be like, Hey man, one game suspension, six game and we could win it all. So yeah, I like hearing that. I do. All those behind-the-scenes stories. All right. Well, uh, that was a better way to end this episode. We just cut out all that other crap. Um, we appreciate everybody <laughs> for listening to Outside the Trenches, presented by, again, our good friends at Jack Stack Barbecue. A lot more in store in the future. We will get to that um, over the next couple of months. Uh, but it should be a whole lot of fun, and uh, you guys can be on the lookout for that. A lot of cool stuff in store. Um, for BJ and Nick, thank you all for listening. We'll catch you next time. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.